Hello, Animation Celery is now. ASMR cartoons about classic conversations. I messed that up completely. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll save you. How's that? Is this doing anything for you? Yeah. Anyway, um, give me the bits, the bits, the bits, the bits. I'm a doofus, Micah. I'm Matsy. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I was at my parents' place and there was no hockey game on, and so I made them watch Cartoon Network. And oh, uh, first we watched We Bear Bears, which taught me that Estelle does the theme song for that song or hmm. show. I did not know that. And then we watched some Steven Universe, and I was ah, like, oh, you, this show is a, yeah, you, these are like gem girls, and like it's about this guy and his. His mom was one of the gems, but she's gone, and now he's learning to be a super... Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, did I say I'm Matsy? I am. <laughs> um, and this is Animation Celery, where we talk about cartoons. We've already done that. Uh, we give each other surprise cartoons to watch, usually around a theme, and then we come back and recap them and discuss them. And our theme this time is cartoons that got it wrong. Oh, my intro actually was on theme. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it could be any, it just wrong in some way. Something about it doesn't work right. Um, I'm watching Silverhawks and taking mm -hmm. my pick of the many problems there. And Micah has something called Back at the Barnyard. I don't know why you'd want to go back to that barnyard, but there, whatever. Mm. Um, but first, it's time to talk about whatever we want. So go ahead, Micah. I'm still stuck on the idea. Uh, did they like Steven Universe? Your family? Uh, um, they weren't opposed to it. Yeah, like, I feel like you were transported back to being a little kid where you like look back and go, mm, stop looking at your book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it hmm. was, I, I'm trying to think of what, if there was anything. Oh, I, I mean, my, my dad commented on We Bear Bears. He's like, I bet this show is made partially in Canada because like all these Canadian bears. And I'm like, no, they're, it's just three different kinds of bears. It's not a spirit mm. bear. He's literally called ice bear. That's all he says. Mm. Dimitri hmm. Martin. That oh, show's neat. okay. That show's yeah. okay. I've only seen, seen a little bit of it. Yeah, I got, I, I watched some of it and then I got to the point where I was like, I think I've seen enough of this. Um, hmm. But oh well. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm continuing my She-Ra journey. Oh, right. <laughs> and I have an interesting uh, notion that came to mind. So Scorpia, she yeah. she has a scorpion. She's she's a human woman, more or less, with a scorpion tail and scorpion pincers for uh, forearms. Yeah. Which, um, and based on the little like bit of carapace that she has on her head, I'm guessing she might also have a shell on her back, but we never see it. I don't know. I'm, is that shell on her head? I thought that was just like a... Uh, her collars securing around her. I don't think she has the the uh, the the little marks on her cheekbones when she's dressed otherwise. Well, you tweeted a picture of her uh, in her dress. Let me just uh, find that. Tweet yeah, yeah. And, I was uh, just I was just thinking uh, that myself. Ah, uh, are those earrings or is that her stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I think it's part of her outfit and it's actually the worst part of her design in my opinion that it, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it looks like it, I don't know. It's like flat fabric on the back of her neck, but then there's two anchors 
just on the side that come around are cheap. I don't really like this, uh, the part I like least. But anyway. Anyway, uh, we're getting off topic. What about? Right. Uh, okay, so I have an anatomy uh, quandary that kind of goes along the same lines of when you think of a centaur, like how many rib cages does it have and where are its organs, right? <laughs> well, according to centaur world, they have two. Makes sense, I guess. In the Scorpius case, does she have bones inside her forearms? Yeah? Um, okay, so this is interesting because this um, ties into Splatoon. Oh, does it? Uh, where, you know, the characters in Splatoon, the various inklings and octolings, they look like humans, right? They got okay. elbows and knees and fingers and things. But I remember a cutscene at some point where one of the characters specifically said that they don't have bones because they're mollusks. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you were to grab an inkling by the shoulder, it would just squish. Well, maybe I don't like I don't know. I uh. maybe I should look more carefully at my Splatoon art book, see if they have like the anatomy of an inkling or something. But huh. so if we use Splatoon as the precedent, um, anthropomorphized invertebrates may look like they have bones, but they don't. OK, but then does the rest of her have bones? Like mm. her, does she have a rib cage and, you know, collarbones yeah. and all that? I, I mean, know. yeah. Or are they just affectations? Because I think you can see landmarks like her collarbones. Maybe she has cartilage like a shark. Yeah. Or maybe it just ends at the elbow and it's all like a sophisticated interaction between the tendons and then her exoskeleton. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder how her tail interacts with her spine. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, these aren't jokes. They're just things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. I, I have an idea for a cartoon. Yes. Um, okay. So you know how recently there have been shows that spin off into feature secondary characters, like a Velma show or oh. like how there's, there's a show about Wednesday Adams. Yes. Yeah. So mine would be called Slag Hoople, which is, of course, Wilma Flintstone's maiden name. Oh, right. Yeah. So at first, it, it seems like traditional Flintstones episodes, except more so told from Wilma's perspective. Hmm. Right. And Fred, as always, he tries to get away with stuff and frequently he drags Barney in on it. Um, and a suspicious Wilma tracks his plot down often with the help of Betty and sometimes her mother, Pearl, you know, Fred's mm. dreaded mother-in-law. Yeah. The battle uh, axe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's told almost exclusively from Wilma's perspective. So there's an air of mystery that isn't in the usual Flintstones episode where we get to see Fred do all this stuff and have his, uh, <laughs> crisis of conscience and all that stuff. Right. Um, so, this all culminates to a season finale where Fred's plot loses him his job, their house, and makes them the shame of bedrock. Ah. Uh, but then everything is mysteriously okay and back to normal, nobody feeling any different than before the caper. Except Wilma. She can't help but feel that something is wrong. There's just things that trigger her deja vu. <laughs> ah, you know where I'm going with this? A little um, bit. Yeah, so everything goes back to normal, 
including Fred routinely doing things behind her back, her catching him, and him feeling ashamed and contrite in the end. That but organ it, music, that... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, Wilma. I didn't mean to hide that I got that for myself. You know, or whatever, right? Uh, the, the thing is, it's all a ruse. Fred is committing wrongs to cover up his true activities. And soon, his life turns around. They live in a big stone mansion. Barney is his butler. And Mr. Slate is a beggar who receives whatever clams Fred deigns to toss his way. <laughs> uh, Fred is now also the Grand Pooba of the Water Buffalo Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is going the Flintstones way, but Wilma can't help but feel something is wrong. She spies and finds out the uh, secret to Fred's power is in fact a Martian named Gazoo. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's wrong, but just like Skylar in Breaking Bad, she resents her husband's corruption, but becomes complicit with the luxury that it brings. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, because none of it's real, her heart grows distant, and she has a fling with her childhood sweetheart, rodeo star Boney Hurdle. <laughs> um, <laughs> when Fred finds out, he makes Gazoo make him disappear. And then, frightened by the man that she feels she no longer knows, she forms a plot with Betty to get rid of Gazoo. <laughs> but it fails. Uh, Gazoo and Fred react in time to banish Bam Bam before he can squash the magic green man. And what does she do now? Well, I guess we'll just have to... We'll have to get the seed money to get this series going and uh, <laughs> try to a conclusion. But uh, it's, it's I would love it. I would love it after five seasons. It was yeah. revealed in the finale that it was all just an elaborate um, plan for Wilma's surprise birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Actually, I was thinking I was thinking she, she realizes she can only rely on herself because everybody that she draws in is erased by Gazoo. Hmm. So she does various callbacks to the show to improve herself, including learning judo from Mr. Fujirock. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's my <laughs> my edging breaking edgy breaking bedrock <laughs> cartoon thing. <laughs> I like that a lot. Breaking bedrock, that's good. Better than slag hoople. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, every, but, yeah pe people would know what that was then. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, I, I don't think you could actually use it as the because that sounds like a parody. Yeah, um, which it's not really. Yeah. No. Slag hoople is a better or I mean, if you wanted to, you know, this kind of reminds me of that uh, Riverdale show. Yeah. So yeah. So it's almost like you could just call it bedrock. Uh, sure. But, but yeah, no, let's go with slag hoople. Why not? <laughs> That'd be funny if you couldn't because um, <laughs> uh, Rob, oh, what's his name? Rob Liefeld owns the uh, trademark for Bedrock because <laughs> of oh, his, uh, yeah, because of his uh, superhero from, uh, what the hell was this comic? Oh, well, who cares? Anyway, there was, that, was that gets weird. Like, I remember, do you remember many years ago? I don't remember the exact year, but yeah. um, Who's the cartoon or the, the comic artist who isn't Stan Lee, the other Lee? Uh, uh, I don't I, know. You mean I, I don't what, remember what, what did the artist? What did the creator make? 
I don't know. I just know that like the name is like it was like, oh, it's not Stanley. It's the other Lee. Um, but Lee's anyway, kind of Lee's kind of like, I don't know. He's controversial. I think he's everybody's got such affection for him. And I love how corny he is. But how much did he really make those comics? Really? <laughs> you know, Well, anyway, um, yeah. some years ago, the National Hockey League hired this other Lee to make uh, a team of 30 superheroes based on the 30 NHL teams at the time. I remember. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, well, immediately and I was like, what are these superheroes going to be called? And it turns out they're just the team names like the Canuck, okay. the Flame, the Oiler. And yeah. so I was like, OK, well, I immediately see a problem because now you're going to have a comic book superhero called the Penguin. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe not. Hmm? I mean, Persona 5 has a main character called Joker. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Maybe maybe some things are enough in the domain. Like, the penguin isn't distinct enough, maybe. It's like, no, look, this is a guy in tights who looks like a penguin. And he, yeah. I feel like there was another one, too. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I'm trying to think of the the 30 NHL team names at the time. Um, and immediately hmm. it was shot to hell when the Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. And so it's like, oh, well, I guess they're not, he's not the thrasher anymore. Well, uh, you would write a story where he appears to die, but then comes back as a jet, you know? And I think they already had a jet. Oh, it was the, I think it was the Red Wing was a jet. Oh. A hmm. jet man. Uh, Wait, so who are the villains in this then? Uh, oh gosh, I don't even, I read one of, like, you could find them online and I read the Canuck one. Yeah. Um, and there was some kind of a a villain or catastrophe of some kind that he had to thwart. Um, <laughs> the 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 Canuck, by the way, picture picture Batman, right? Oh yes. Except instead of a bat, he's based on an orca. Yeah. So you know, instead of two little bat ears, he's got one big dorsal fin sticking out the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember that one of his powers was brocciating through tree branches. <laughs> it just makes sense to be based on an orca and do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like anyway. everything... It's Yeah, it's like everything they thought about Vancouver, they just threw together and stirred, to, you know, stirred <laughs> up. Like, it'd be like the if the flyer ate only uh, <laughs> cheesesteak sandwiches, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Where were we? Um, I don't know. I guess I, I'm done with my uh, my edgy reboot. Um, okay. What do you got going on, Matsy? Um, not a lot, but you just reminded me of an idea that I had. Um, yeah. To make, I, I don't have the skill to do it, but if someone animated like a fake trailer for the Binding of Isaac movie. Oh my I was God. Thinking, <laughs> and I was thinking... I started thinking about um, voice clips from other cartoons that you could stick on all the various characters. Okay. Um, I'm thinking like, uh, who did I want to be Isaac? Uh, I, I can't remember him, but it was like Eve. I was thinking of some, some, you know, monotone droning gothy thing that Raven from Teen Titans could say. All right. Um, there's a pair of twins. They're they're all biblical, based on biblical characters. And so there's a pair of twins, Jacob and Esau. Mm. And 
I kind of imagined Beavis and Butthead voices <laughs> for those two. Um, just joking around, like, see how convincing we can make this. There's a Binding of Isaac movie coming out. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, I've been playing a lot of that game because I'm so close to getting all the <laughs> achievements. I've got, I think I have 135 out of 137 achievements. And so I'm, mm. I'm just like grinding, like, oh, I just need two more. I just need to do two more things and I'm done. Had a heartbreaking <laughs> moment just before we recorded. What were you saying? Oh, uh, I, well, I was just going to mention uh, our friend Dave was up for a while and we had a board game we were playing called The Crew. Uh-huh. It's one of those one of those games with uh, it's, it's a trick taking game, you know, like, but it's it's. Uh, cooperative so it's like playing hearts but you're all trying to achieve the same goal okay um and it's it's themed around you being a a uh, spaceship crew uh that has different challenges to overcome and so so you'll have different objectives you know like uh take the last trick with a one you know or uh mm. you have to this player has to get the green six and that player has to get the yellow eight and you know so on okay um, okay and so those scenarios, those missions, there was like 35 of them. <laughs> and we kept joking about that we'd do it before he went back to the States. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we got on a roll. It was incredible. We did manage to get all of them done within <laughs> just like four or five playing sessions. But anyway, you're, 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 you are at a probably a, a, a heftier achievement. You're at the cusp of doing all of uh, Binding of Isaac. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it's daunting. Um, I, but I haven't really done much else of note this week, but there is one thing that I wanted to bring up and there's no way that you could have known this. Oh no. Rather appropriately or ironically or coincidentally, Mm -hmm. uh, you gave me a cartoon in the form of Silverhawks that was created by Rankin Bass. Love it. And by astoundingly sad coincidence Jules Bass passed away Mm. this last week um which is like I said it's sad uh Arthur Rankin Jr. died in 2014 Mm. so he was kind of the the other half and I I was just kind of astounded to read that like right after I'm watching a a Rankin Bass cartoon yeah so I guess boy I'm worried that we won't honor him very well, but, uh, well, yeah, the, that, I mean, that, we've, yeah, w- we've honored him before. Sort sure. Of. We were talking about yeah. Return of the King. Yeah. Um, so Tandem Producers, uh, Arthur Rankin did more of the animation side and Jules tended to the music more. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, like Rankin Bass, you know, everybody, everybody has seen that Rudolph Red Nose sure. Reindeer thing. Um, yeah. A lot of people have seen... What's the other one? Something about the year without Christmas or whatever with the the heat miser and the... Uh, <laughs> right, like, right. I've, and, I have actually never seen that. They, oh, they've done so many things and Frosty the Snowman as well. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, yep. And Twas the Night Before Christmas. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, and The Hobbit and Flight of Dragons and all that stuff. and Thundercats. Yeah. And what yeah. was the one... Was it Tall Tales? I can't remember. You know, the one where uh, it was like, it'd be on at eight o'clock on 
uh, weeknight or something. It would have a storybook that would open up and Paul Bunyan and everybody would walk out of it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, not off the top of my head, but hang on. Let me just uh, do a quick uh, Googling. Uh, you you continue talking Fe- while I... F- Festival of Family Classics is what it's called. If oh, you okay. see, if, if If you see the opening that comes... But, so they'll do like different things, Cinderella, whatever, right? Um, and it always begins with that book and everybody, all those fairy tale characters walking out of it. Mm. You, okay. you will... If, if you see it, it'll trigger something. You'll know it. Okay. The Year Without a Santa Claus. That's what it was called. Um, hmm. let's see. Um, I'm, I'm just running down a list here. See if there's anything that immediately. Oh yeah. The wind in the willows, hmm. uh, that thing. Oh no, wait, it's not the one I thought it was. It's an animated one, like a, a, a cell animated one, not the no, stop yeah. motion one. Huh? Oh, the last unicorn who can forget that. Yeah, I, it's not, it's Ravens, but I have a giant Last Unicorn poster in the bedroom. <laughs> mm, I have an autographed copy of the book. Yeah, well, the po- the poster's autographed, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, cool. it's, it's, it's an arms race for Peter S. Beagle fandom. <laughs> <laughs> he was at a convent. He was one of the guests of honor at a convention that I was at. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, that was, that's, I, I guess that's worth mentioning. So... Rankin Bass, everybody's childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not, you know, they haven't really done much lately, obviously, no. but um, everybody remembers them. And with that, let's try to keep this show not two hours long. Yeah, let's uh, pick up the cheer with, with something great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Okay, I'm going to be looking at Back at the Barnyard. Created by Steve Odekirk, and this episode is in 2008. Um, so this is an adaptation from a movie called Barnyard, hmm. in which a male-identifying cow named Otis shirks his responsibilities on the farm. You see, his adoptive father, Ben, was killed by coyotes, and so Otis was elected the new animal leader of the farm. It seemed that he would run away rather than face the coyotes, but ultimately, he does prevail against them. And part of his motivation might be the sweet cow Daisy that caught his eye. Huh. But, but forget some of this. Daisy is not in the TV series, or at least not in this episode. Um, also, most of the celebrity cast was replaced by professional voice actors. Uh, Wanda Sykes stayed on because if you can't get Wanda Sykes for a barnyard adaptation, honestly, what's the point? Yeah. Um, The opening credits start with the farmer leaving for the fields, and that allows all the barnyard animals to act like people secretly and have all kinds of fun. This is like a crummy precursor to Shaun the Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Kinda, right? Kinda, Um, yeah. So... I guess guess, um, uh, a close shave would be the actual precursor to Shaun the Sheep. But yeah. Well, yeah. And then they figured, you know what? Let's make it like a barnyard. (laughs) These TV series. Uh, Anyway. um, uh, So this cartoon is divided in half episodes. And the first one is Top Cow. Very clearly a parody of Top Gun. Mm. Uh, Otis and Pip, his best friend, a rat, 
are flying jet fighters. The action is getting intense, but Bessie, a Wanda Sykes cow, uh, interrupts them because they're actually just playing a video game and being too noisy at it. The man-cow insists that flying is in his blood and further decides that he must prove it. By the way, uh, obviously, the thing that's wrong in this show <laughs> is yeah. that the main character, Otis, is a cow. He's got a masculine voice um, and he's got a big ol' udder. And furthermore, yeah. furthermore, in this scene, while they're um, spouting jargon at each other while getting involved in their video game, Pip tells him, are you crazy? Have you lost your milk? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> all the main cast goes out to the airstrip. The crop dusting planes are... Uh, the spirit of Newark, New Jersey is bad, gag. <laughs> <laughs> and old death trap. They appear rickety and unsafe. And sure enough, the latter plane falls apart when Otis wiggles it and insists on how airworthy the planes are. Uh, when the owner of the airfield arrives, their identities as talking animals are safe since he's crazy and has poor eyesight. Thus, he takes Otis as an applicant to fly as his crop duster even though a demon apparently lives in the sky. The crazy guy rides off on a horse. <laughs> um, Otis's friends are reluctant to join the untested pilot on the plane for the job until he lures them with in-flight peanuts. Blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> he at least has a successful liftoff. The flight crew is assigned roles, but they don't much matter. Pip the mouse is the co-pilot. Pig the pig is the navigator. Pig watch. Ab what? <laughs> pig watch. Um, oh, pig watch. Uh, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, I actually forgot to do a pig watch when you did Timon and Pumbaa. Oh right. Uh, I like Pumbaa. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. He's fine. Yeah. I don't. Peep, I imagine a lot of people find him pretty offensive, but I think he's fine. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but pig the pig is pretty lame. Uh, there's Abby, a lady cow. She's the mechanic, even though Otis keeps thinking she's the stewardess. What a sexist. Um, Pretty no, sexist no. for a trans male. Yes. <laughs> um, the flight attendants are actually uh, best ferret and rooster pals, Freddy and Peck. Mm. And anyway, they do manage to actually dust some crops and a couple of farmers. Uh, <laughs> then Otis takes the plane for a reckless but lucky landing. All his friends come out terrified. Oldie, that's apparently the name of the employer, uh, shows up to congratulate Otis, plus warn him that there's a demon in his sandwich. <laughs> anyway, he's got the job. Subsequent flights involve a lot of daring do and fluky flying. He flies into a tunnel, then back out of it ahead of a train. Uh, <laughs> the plane is flown to Pogo, tail down along the crops. And when his flight crew is reluctant to go on such wild flights anymore, he again wins them over by offering them honey-roasted peanuts. Oh, well. Yeah, it's a running gag, and it's mm -hmm. done. Uh, the high-flying hot dog video game honed skills earn Otis a fandom. Fans and a TV reporter show up to cheer him on. <laughs> the reporter is an actually pretty funny impression of sportscaster Harry Carey. <laughs> It's pretty funny when he turns to the camera when you see him first. Um, anyway, uh, egged on, Otis shows off and ends up crashing his plane, almost killing his friends and himself, 
gives him trepidation over taking the plane up again. Uh, just then, the TV news warns that a swarm of locusts is coming. Oh, no. And, yeah, and only the hotshot crop duster can stop them. Anyway, there's a job to be done. Abby has rebuilt the plane, and Pip is given opportunity to fly. Those deadly insects, six one untargetable by spells and effects, uh, <laughs> shred away the plane like a buzzsaw. Lucky for the fallen group, Otis flies in and catches them in the other plane, old death trap. <laughs> he manages to dust those bugs. But again, as he extols how sturdy the plane is, it falls apart. Luckily, everybody has parachutes this time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those lucky happenstances that the airplane had uh, six parachutes on it, eh? I guess. Uh, had to tighten those straps pretty hard on uh, on the mouse, I guess. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, the crazy guy and his horse are there with a parachute, too. And he warns that there's a demon who lives in, guess where, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch that double New Jersey? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. The Jersey Devil. The New <laughs> Jersey Devils. Hey, that makes sense. I doubt that was where they're going for. Um, yeah. So the second part of the cartoon is School of Otis. So in the barn, Peck, that's the rooster, is at a blackboard and teaching the young animals. Little Sheep Macy asks a math question about a cow speeding on a motor scooter. And it's prescient because the daredevil cow crashes in on a motorcycle, well, sorry, on a motor scooter and runs over Peck. Oh. The, the rooster is injured and bedridden, and Bessie decides that it's only right that Otis, a big dimwit, takes over Peck's teaching duties. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like the Seinfeld pilot. He has to become my butler. <laughs> <laughs> you're, t you're, you were reckless and injured the person who does this job professionally. So yes, you do it now. Yeah, you're responsible for these children. I get there's an uh, the guys who are doing arc welding at work. I got to knock one of them off their ladder so I can get in on that. <laughs> right, it's like Klingon rules. Shit. Um, so uh, Otis comes to class with a persona as a cool teacher. He throws all their highly advanced textbooks out the window and decides that dissing authority and sticking it to the man should be on the curriculum. Yeah. He's kind of like Michael Scott from The Office. <laughs> <laughs> so he drags in Pig as a guest speaker from outside. He had just hit Pig with the books that he threw. Um, Otis turns from teacher to bad boy and joins with the class in pelting Pig with spitballs. Meanwhile, Duke, he's another character in the show, the barnyard dog. Um, he's taken with the idea that he's now the head of the barnyard since Otis is busy. Nobody buys in and they let the dog fall over during a trust exercise. <laughs> anyway, that goofiness buttresses a scene change at school. Uh, Otis takes his students next door to prank that awful human, Mrs. Beatty. The man cow and his students pretend to be rave on cosmetics sales ladies <laughs> they go in with the drill and rivets and her makeover is hideous and pale green ha <laughs> ha they got one on her um meanwhile the other animals kill a few seconds by pretending to be giant japanese movie monsters 
It's as arbitrary as a cutaway in Family Guy. Yay! <laughs> the kids, while loading a silo with dynamite as per their irresponsible new prank lessons, resolve to do something to show their appreciation for Teacher Otis. Otis, speaking of, is visiting Peck to see how he's doing. Now, there's a running joke about Freddy the Ferret being best friends with Peck the Rooster, despite also wanting to eat him. <laughs> so Freddy jokes, or he covers that he has barbecue sauce instead of liniment oil by mistake. Um, anyway, Otis meets his students as they launch the silo like a rocket. At first, he's proud, but Pip calls him on his cell phone, and it turns out that the other animals are in that flying tower. In order to save the day, Otis brings his motor scooter to a ramp after first dressing like Daredevil comedian Super Dave Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> At this time, Macy uses her book learning to supply the necessary physics for how fast he must go to jump and intercept the silo. Anyway, that, that sick jump provides bump enough to divert the silo's fall for a la softer landing in the pond. And for good measure, Otis lands his scooter onto Duke the dog while he's acting like a blowhard leader. <laughs> Later, Otis is forced to join the class and actually learn something. Wanda Sykes cuffs him in the back of the head and makes him accidentally swallow his spitball. <laughs> maybe, maybe if he focuses, he'll learn how to spell his name someday. And uh, yeah, there you go. That's, a, that's an episode of uh, Back to the Barnyard. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, know, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie. I think I was see. I, yeah. I'm, I can't remember the exact year. Uh, I have to think it might've been something like over the hedge that I was seeing. Um, oh boy. Similar movies, similar Wanda Sykes. Uh, I guess. Um, yeah. but I remember like, being enraged just by the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm like, how many people worked on this and nobody said anything? Right. But also, uh, maybe yeah. it's just because of I was, you know, in the moment and it's yeah. looking back on it now, it's more apparent. But I don't remember it looking this ugly. Oh, it's terrible. Jimmy oh Neutron. This, this, this is from creatives from Jimmy Neutron, and yeah. they take a step downward to oh this. Oh, my gosh. Not that Jimmy Neutron is great looking either, but um, like, holy cow, literally. The the yeah. Otis, o Otis's nose is just extruded out and flat in the front. Um, I can I can accept that as a stylistic, you know, it, it's maybe, almost well, like and an Armin cow, kind of. Okay, fair enough. But... Boy, Nothing's everything else, this, though. it's like the textures. It's like somehow, you know, putting, trying to put like bits of texture and shading on computer animation in this era. Like, it, it's like they're trying to show that they're putting in effort and making it look realistic and everything. But it ends yeah. up just making it look cheap. Like they don't know what they're doing. Makes it look um, pretty uh, gray, gray, really, is what it makes it look. Just, just ugly. Like you compare it to something like, you know, even a movie... Um, uh, what's a good, the Lorax. I, sure. Illumination. I really, yeah. yeah, I really dislike that movie, but okay. my, none of my problems with it are with how it looks like 
you can, you know, if you understand the style that you're going for with something like that or something like uh, the Adams Family movie that I watched a few weeks ago. Um, right. You can, you know, just just be kind of simple. Just know your art style and stick to it and you can make it look nice and pretty, even if it's a little bit simple. But if you try to put all this effort into it, it's it's something I I commented on this um uh with the with the webcomic Penny Arcade where huh. the art started out questionable and got better oh, and better and sure. better and then at some point around like 2008ish it was perfect mm. it looked great but then the yeah. artist uh Mike Krahulik he kept trying to improve and he kept trying to get other people's styles into his style and it it reached that peak and then it started to go down and I stopped <laughs> reading the comic. And every time I've looked at it since, I've just jumped back at how ugly it is. Are you and accusing Back at the Barnyard of trying too hard? Yes. <laughs> really? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm accusing it of like, you know, going beyond the style that they were capable of doing. Now, I guess it's the style that they had, you know made their name yeah. on with Jimmy Neutron to some extent, but like they just went too, they tried to improve too much, put too much garbage into it. And the result is just a mess. Cause I, I kind of feel this is just lazy in a lot of ways. The bodies are awful. Um, yeah. I, I, we can play a little game here. Okay. Which, okay. which is better, better on your eyes. Is it, uh, Veggie Tales or Back at the Barnyard? Ooh, I don't know if I've seen enough of Veggie Tales to say for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, how about Popey the Performer versus Back at the Barnyard? <laughs> you know what? They're yeah. Well, I I think I think this is animated better. Like, the yeah, that's fair. I think I think <laughs> the computer rendering is pretty on par, but Popey isn't animated as well. No, but I would watch it. I would certainly watch Popey, like, just on looks, I would watch it more well, than this. the thing is that, that Popey, like, the whole aesthetic and writing of Popey is not trying too hard. It's like... True, it's, true. It's trying to be a mess. This is trying to be good and being a mess almost accidentally. Actually, now I'm thinking of a comparison. <laughs> Remember when Moss Lion wanted me to watch Bobbleheads? I would say Bobbleheads oh. is better than this. Um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's, let's, we're crapping on <laughs> back at the barnyard. You know, the funny thing, though, is that I've actually found this occasionally funny. Yeah. Um, so my impression here, it seemed like the writers didn't really care, but <laughs> were talented enough to sometimes make a good gag regardless. Yeah. Like, there's some, there's some funny stuff in here. Like, when he looks at the, um, the plane control panel, and says that that's just like the video game. You uh, this uh, this activates your crystals and the coins yeah. go in here. Yeah, yeah. Some... yeah. And yeah. and you know the basic relationship between Freddy and Peck is kind of funny and uh, yeah, yeah. That is a good concept. You know. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Harry Carey newscaster is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and like intentionally so that that turn reveal so funny. <laughs> um. And as a little kid, I probably would have enjoyed this, I think. Hmm. Hmm. It's sort of... Because, you know, it, 
it's irreverent, right? Yeah. Mm. It sort of reminds, I, mean, I guess the look of it kind of reminds me of a show that I watched uh, during a period where I was, um, I, I say unemployed, but I was unemployed because I wasn't actually looking for work. I was taking some time off between jobs and yeah. I, I started watching, I started waking up earlier and started watching daytime TV shows. And, uh, there was an animated cartoon that I quite liked called, uh, Jakers, the adventures of Piggly Winks and <laughs> great <mo> name. <laughs> yeah. It's about a pig. It mostly, I was watching it because I loved the Irish accents because it was in Ireland. And okay. so, so all the characters had these lovely Irish accents. Um, in retrospect, it probably looks pretty close to as ugly as this. Mm. Um, but at the time, I could be amused by the, um, the, the accents. Or actually, there was one sheep who was voiced by, I think it was Ed Asner. Um, ah. But um, that show was okay. And it had a great theme song, too. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm thinking, like, you know at the time, maybe I didn't realize how ugly it is. Maybe I just, this is what computer animation looks like. Um, oh no, it was bad, bad for the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the gags pretty solid. And oh man. Okay. So let's talk about some voice acting here and we'll get to like the, the main ones, but first off start, uh, Chris Hardwick is Otis. Hmm. He's the Nerdist podcaster. And that guy from that old video game channel G4. Oh Yeah. Big shoes to fill since he replaces Kevin James. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Garcia is Pip. Yeah. And Sheen Estevez and Jimmy Neutron and Ronaldo and Happy Feet. Mm. Um, Cam Clark is Freddy and Leonardo and Rocksteady in classic TMNT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tino and Sana, funny name, is Pig and Bushroot on Darkwing Duck. Yeah, I recognize that voice. I, it took me a while yeah. to place it, but I was like, "All oh, right." I actually thought he was dead. Maybe he is now. He he, he is now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, comedian Maria Bamford is Nora Beatty. Um, I know their name from somewhere else. She, she's what's the name? Um, something Dynamite. Is it Miss Dynamite? The she has a TV series on Netflix. I'm. I'm sure she's a, she, she's an offbeat comic who talks in a weird tone. And Rob Paulson is Peck and everybody else ever. Well, and, <laughs> except for one guy. Well, Jim Cummings does a lot of voices in this in these episodes, too. Yeah. So it's like bumping the night never stopped. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I have a bonus voice actor, though, uh, not featured in this episode. But D. Bradley Baker apparently plays Bigfoot sometime in this series. <laughs> so he's just available to play your big feet in whatever you're you're making. But All right, cool. I enjoyed myself better than you probably expected, mm. which maybe would lead you to say, are you crazy? Have you lost your milk? Well, somebody did. Uh, yeah. Speaking of milk. Silverhawks. <laughs> That's a good transition. Um, yeah. You transitioned well there. Um, yeah, so oh, Silver yeah. Silverhawks. Uh, it's this is a, I I looked this up. Apparently, this is a weird case where it was the show that came first and then action figures based on it, which I wouldn't have expected. Um, but yeah, this is made by mm. Rankin Bass. Uh, it was kind mm -hmm. of, hey, Thundercats did really well. Let's do more of that. 
And so it's about uh, spacefaring people in silver armor. And uh, then they could make uh, toy figures with silver, like metallic silver armor on them. Yeah. Um, and basically they just, I don't know, fight the, they fight organized crime in the limbo galaxy. The organized crime led by Monstar and his uh, various cartoon henchmen. The episode that mm-hmm. I am watching is called The Milk Run. Now, a milk run is old World War II slang for an easy mission. So this opens, I thought this opened with a recap of what had happened in a previous episode, but it turns, no, out, it's, it, it turns out it's just telling you what's going to happen in this episode. So I'll skip over it. Hmm. What happens is that you got your, your lead guy, uh, whose name has escaped me despite it being all over the place. Uh, you mean, okay. You, you mean Space. stargazer, right? Stargazer. That's it. Thank you. Stargazer. Okay. Yes. Stargazer. So he's the kind of the, the old, uh, <laughs> gruff leader of the silver Hawks. Um, I like how old timey his office is like in a place full of Chrome walls and hexagonal hallways and stuff that his office just has like a straight up wooden desk and like a coat rack and stuff. Well, yeah, he uh, he says later at the end that, you know, he he has a motorcycle and he said he brought it on board when he first started here and something like 300 years ago. So, right. He's old. But anyway, right. uh, what's what's happening here is that the Silver Hawks have captured one of the villains, uh, Melodia. Um, but before we get to that, we have to check in with Monstar. Now, he has various uh, henchmen, including a Naga creature called Yes Man, who just kind of agrees with everything. But also, he's got this weird troll with a pack. I actually really like this character's design. Um, yeah, I like that he's got this big this big roll of weapons on his back. Yeah, his, <laughs> name, cool. is, his name is Hardware, and he's the mech with the weapon maker, and he's got some kind of pinball ray. A... Hmm really inefficient weapon that bounces around on surfaces without harming them until it finally hits something and harms it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the plan is to use this weapon to get Melodia back. <laughs> it's like playing pool with planets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What is, oh man, I know that reference. What is that? It's Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. I, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it popped into my head at the last minute, but I was like, no. I was like, oh, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of cool how ridiculous it is that he fires this handheld weapon into a pipe that <laughs> bends several times and then fires off into the galaxy to bounce off of like space stations and stuff to <laughs> get to its target. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, Melodia, they've they've captured and they're going to take her to prison. Um, hmm. and their, their means of transport is to put Melodia into her own space vehicle with a yeah. force field around it and just tow it, hmm. which is uh, not how I would have done that. I would, yeah, have I would think I would have, I would have compacted that thing first, I think. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, it's kind of like a cool roadster. Yeah. If I had a stylish car from for outer space, it better be a convertible like hers. Um, well, 
I don't know that I would want a spaceship that the top goes down on. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, also, she's got a little version of Monstar's head as her yeah, hood ornament. Yeah, I noticed so that. She, yeah, she's just, a big suck up. <laughs> uh huh. Just really telegraphing her allegiances to any passersby in space. Right. Um. So yeah, the the Silverhawk team starts uh, towing <laughs> this ship, and. Hardware fires, they have this, I don't know, this tube thing. I think they call it an evacuator or something like that. Basically, they have <laughs> a, they have this series of tubes. The the Monstars do, well, the Monstars are from Space Jam. Monstar and his uh, group, they have this series of tubes that leaves out of a giant <laughs> hole in their home base planet. And so Hardware fires his really inefficient <laughs> weapon out of it. And it bounces around on various asteroids before hitting the link between Melodia's vehicle and the uh, spaceship of the Silver Hawks, which causes it to go free. And she, he hits it again, and that shorts out the, uh, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Force field. So now there's nothing between Melodia and the cold emptiness of space, but she's fine. Hmm. Um, yeah, the Silverhawks obviously deploy their personal spacecraft. I guess this is a function of the toys where they have little like spaceships that they can shoot out of the toys. By the way, the idea is that they have like they can connect, uh, tell not telescope. Is it telescoping? Whatever wings, you know, wings that kind of spread out. Right. Um, so the Silverhawks eject to go fight her, but she has her. I think it's called a sound crusher, basically a guitar. And pretty cool. It is. Um, hmm. Except I had trouble narrowing down exactly what you thought was wrong with this cartoon because everything is oh, wrong with it. Every, everything. Yeah. I, um, I loaded it up. Yeah. Like she's, she's out in space with nothing. She's shooting sound weapons. And also one of these silver Hawks who's, Somebody calls him Bluegrass. Other people call him Rawhide. I don't know what this character's name is. I probably should have looked it up. Um, well, he, he's is he Colonel Bluegrass? He he. I think Rawhide might be his first name. <laughs> Making him the Bluegrass. most the the most yeah the most uh, country music name ever. Yeah, he's he's the stereotypical Texan in this team, and he. I also- swear. <laughs> in the opening in the opening credits when he plays his guitar I laugh almost every time. Oh, I I laugh too. I actually wrote a note. Like I was originally I was taking notes but then I stopped and one of the notes that I made was <laughs> guitar. <laughs> Cuz I thought it was hilarious <laughs> this this guy in a cockpit of a spacecraft and he's just got this giant guitar in there. But it turns out it's his weapon. And mm. so <laughs> uh Melodia and Rawhide Bluegrass start shooting their sound <laughs> weapons at each other through the airless vacuum of space in which sound does not travel. Um, Melodia's weapon seems to have a tangling effect. She hits all the various silver hawks with it and it freezes them in place, just surrounded by pink lines of sound. And I don't know with that, she escapes. Hmm. Okay. Game over. Oh, but wait, we're not done yet because see Monstar can listen in to uh, the communications between the various Silverhawks and the next trick 
is to fire a full power blast of the pinball gun to ricochet off various asteroids. And notably, it ricochets off of an antenna and then hits another antenna and damages it. So I question what triggers the devastation effect of this weapon. Like, does it have to bounce a certain number of times before? Maybe it's timing. And and hardware's a genius. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, he must be to be making these shots. Yeah, true. Um. Anyway, he fires a, he fires this ray, which eventually hits the antenna dish. So two more Silverhawks are dispatched to spacewalk and try to repair it. But then hardware hits it again and hits them and they go falling through space. Um. They... They they aim it towards an asteroid. This made me laugh where they deploy their talons, tiny mm. hooks, tiny, tiny hooks on the heels <laughs> of their shoes. And by firing yeah. retro rockets, those talons are able to stop their descent. I guess, you know, in, in a weightless environment, does everything I, I do you really I, I, I don't know enough about physics to be like, you know, if. If you're in space and there's no gravity, does the mass of that uh, antenna still cause a problem? I don't know. I I, just... I, ma- I imagine because it has speed, right? Well, it yeah. has speed and mass. So, yeah, yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Anyway, they land this thing on an asteroid and then they spot all the incapacitated other Silverhawks. So they fire their weapons, and I actually had to laugh when I realized, and, and it comes up later where I really laughed. Mm. Apparently, all of their lasers shoot from their shoulders. Yeah, and they have some really goofy locations for their guns. <laughs> yeah, on their feet, on their shoulders, everywhere, but on something they can easily aim. Right. Um, they fire the laser at, oh, the... Apparently in the action figures and maybe in the show, I don't know, but they have little pet birds. We only see right. one in this one. Tally Hawk. Um, mm. They fire their lasers at Tally Hawk, which frees him or it or them from the sound tangle. And then Tally Hawk is able to use his talons to free all the other silver hawks. So everybody reconnoiters on the asteroid as uh, Monstar tries to communicate with, well, I, I guess it's, uh, what was his name again? Stargazer. Stargazer is yeah. trying to communicate with the Silverhawks. Um, I guess he does. So I wonder what the antenna that they destroyed did. <laughs> it's just for TV. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, now Monstar, so they head back cause the, you know, their, their base is under attack. I think it's called Hawk. Haven, is it? Hawkhaven, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's under attack. And Monstar has given, this is really all over the place. It's it's kind of weird how, like, how many things are happening in this plot and yet nothing happens. Yeah, it's pretty direct, I thought. Yeah. Um, Monstar gives the order to Melodia to go bring him Stargazer alive. And so Melodia heads off to Hawkhaven. So everybody's heading towards Hawkhaven now. Uh, Melodia fires her sound rays and starts assaulting the base. And this is where that motorcycle comes in. Uh, She (laughs) just flies herself straight into the entry port 
of the of Hawkhaven, but then Stargazer blams out in his motorcycle and a brief chase ensues. Uh, and at this point, we now get another uh, set of the villains, uh, a hardware and a new one. What was his name? Warhammer? Uh, no, Windhammer. Windhammer. That's right. So in keeping with the apparent theme of weaponry here, Windhammer's weapon is a giant tuning fork. Mm-hmm. She wraps on the side of the vehicle and points to shoot lightning. Um, If it isn't clear to anyone now, sound doesn't travel in space. Neither does lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. It, it needs gas. Yeah. <laughs> the Silverhawks uh, assault. The, <laughs> they assault this vehicle with their shoulder lasers. They all have to turn their shoulders. To, <laughs> I, I laughed quite a bit when I saw this. I, like, I thought it was ridiculous. It's, you sort of have to like crank a, a weightlifting pose, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fire on your Ooh. shoulder. Yeah. Um, And then they start doing some kind of coordinated spinny thing. Um, mm. This may be some manner of Care Bear stare, but we never get to see it because War, uh, not Warhammer, Hardware fires his <laughs> uh, elaborate pinball ray, which bounces off of all the Silverhawks before eventually exploding and sending them all flying. Uh, they're the battle continues. They're shooting the this wind hammers shooting lightning at the Silverhawks. Uh the two Silverhawks, I guess they're brother and sister. I don't know what their names are. I didn't care enough to look uh, it up. Steelheart and Steelwill. Okay, sure. Yeah. They fly in and they see this pinball weapon and they figure, hey, this weapon ricochets ineffectually. Let's play hacky sack with it and reflect it back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what they do. And it ex- totally, literally. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Like, I'm, I am not kidding. They like bounce it off their knees and elbows and f- eventually forehead to shoot it into the <laughs> a, another top-down, completely exposed uh, space car that Hardware and Windhammer are driving, which blows it up, and they are forced to retreat. And then the Silverhawks get back to Hawkhaven. Well, actually, they, they get back to Hawkhaven and say that they've been looking for Stargazer, but then he shows up on his motorcycle. He explains mm. that the motorcycle's been, you know, he's hundreds of years old or whatever. The, the Silverhawks all salute him. He salutes back and they stay saluting for several seconds as we fade out towards the end. Now, there's mm. one last thing here. I thought this was going to be a morality play, but it turns out it's educational where right. the little kid, the copper kid, apparently he's an alien from like a mime planet. Yes. Um, and he has to answer some trivia questions about the planet Mercury. So, first of all, is Mercury bigger or smaller than the Earth or the same size? Turns smaller. out. Now, we need to figure out what these uh, these pitted holes all over Mercury's surface are. Here's a hint. The moon has the same pits. Oh, it's craters, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and finally. Yeah. Multiple choice question. What two things required for life does Mercury not have? Air, right. light, water, or gravity? I'm not exactly sure that gravity is necessary for life. Maybe it is. Um, well, yeah, you got to stick to stuff. 
I guess. Well, I, I guess it's mm. I guess it's not really a necessity as it is an inevitability because anything with mass produces gravity. Sure enough. Yeah. Anyway, the answer is air and water. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a lot of temerity to have a science quiz at the end of a silver <laughs> <box> episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is required for sound to travel? Wait, let's not <laughs> don't answer that one. Um, maybe maybe limbo is a really weird galaxy that has um that isn't isn't cold for one um <laughs> has some manner of medium that can convey sound and electricity Man. um and has uh subjective gravity the subject being wherever down in the frame is yeah um there's there's times in this episode where people get shot and then fall downward. Yeah. Um, which now there are more grievous instances of falling in space gravity and Silverhawks. Mm. But this was the episode I had to pick because it features uh, Melodia and Windhammer so much. Oh, yeah. Well, there's I mean, take your pick. There's so many things. There's like <laughs> sound traveling through the airless vacuum of space. There's various characters just like I was actually kind of sh- like when when Melody's riding around in her craft, I was like, OK, I'm yeah. I'm kind of almost willing to believe that there's some kind of a force field that's keeping air yeah. inside. But when the other Silverhawks landed on that asteroid and then took their masks off. Yes. I was like what? I kind of wonder what the point is of those masks. Maybe it gives them a display or something. I wonder if it's their communicator. Because I noticed, yeah, maybe. Cause I noticed that I was thinking about sound traveling through space. And then when the two of them, Steelheart and Steelwill, go to repair the antenna, there was like some modulation on their voices like it was coming through a radio. Right, so, right. So uh, maybe it's that. Maybe it's a targeting mechanism. Um, but speaking of Silverhawk design, we, that's one thing we haven't tackled is the uh, necessity of wings for their flight. That was the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. You don't need yeah. wings. Like the reason that spacecraft like the space shuttle has wings is because it also has to go through the Earth's atmosphere when it's taking off and landing. Yeah. If you look at like a rocket, it just goes straight because there is no air in space to cause any kind of resistance and or allow steering or lift. Yeah. Yeah. So wings are unnecessary, except that they're, you know, they look cool on an action figure, I guess. They can, like, push a button on their back and go, like, click them out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's the, the necessity of wings, the sound, the lightning, the oxygen, the falling. Um, man. And, and then, and then hard, like you said, hard. the goal yeah. to, now here's a science quiz about space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, grade three science, but yeah. Also, I just thought Um, of this now. They mention it like at the end where they're they're saying like, oh, we're going to bring Monstar to justice or or maybe it was just Melodia or whatever. And yeah, they lost the mission. Stargazers like, don't do it for me. Do it for Earth. And yeah. And then I'm thinking about, yeah, this quiz about, you know, Mercury, the solar system related to Earth. And I had to stop and go, wait a minute. This is in a different galaxy. Yeah. I guess this crime empire has uh, its tendrils extend far, I guess. I guess, yeah. Like, this is so far, that's why they're cyborgs, is it's the only way they could travel out far enough from Earth to uh, reach 
Hawkhaven. Oh yeah, maybe it's maybe that's why he's three hundred years old. Well, even then, like they'd have to be well traveling at more well, speed of light. It, yeah. Oh well, okay. You can. It's not in this episode. You can add other ones. Stargazer regularly communicates with Earth in real time, so there's that okay, too. Okay. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, yeah. Whatever you got to do. Um, um. Let's see. What else? Say. Just like the Thundercats, the well, this actually takes place in a greater universe. This actually, it takes place in the same universe as Thundercats, as I understand it. Oh, huh. Um, anyway, just like it, neat, neat bad guys, but dull, dull heroes. Yeah, like I literally don't know their names. Like, I think <laughs> the lead one's name is Quicksilver. Um, yeah, the cowboy is either Rawhide or Bluegrass or both. Um, right. And Steelheart and Steel the, the Will are the twins. Kid. Um, oh, so you know them all. Uh, you know them I, all. I guess. But man, like, you know, yeah. I sure didn't at the time. Like, they they were just... I, I guess they're so unmemorable and bland that even though I know oh. them all, I don't realize that I know them all. Also, the voice work. Uh, how long has it been since you watched Thundercats? Oh, <laughs> 40 years. Yeah, so the Thundercats are just like these guys. Yeah. Stiff, really stiff voices. It's like the voice director told them, no, 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 less human. You know, you know like... I often complain yeah. about the same voice actors showing up over and over. Oh, it's Rob Paulson and, and Jim Cummings yeah, again. Right. Oh, they needed an animal, so they got Frank Welker. But at the same time, hearing this and hearing no voices that I recognized was kind of like... Weird. It made this cartoon seem second rate in a way. Like well, just the, the you know, lack of recognizable voices. Like I didn't have a, a comfortable touch stone and it just kind of weirded me out. There's crossover between this and other Rankin Bass things, as you might imagine. Yeah. Um, the voices in this. Um, Peter Newman is Quicksilver and Tiger and Thundercats. Mm. Uh, Larry Kenny is Bluegrass and Lion O in Thundercats. <laughs> Um, Bob McFadden is Steel Will, Stargazer, and Hardware, and Sly than Thundercats. <laughs> and Earl Hammond is Monstar, and Mumra, and Vulture Man, and Santa Claus in the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Earl Hammond. I, I, like, Monstar is pretty good, but Mumra is the tops. Mm -hmm. um, but he kind of goes into some Mumra stuff. I don't think we see Monstar transform in this episode. No. But it, it's a repeated animation. It says the same thing, same animation, but it's pretty cool. You know, the, the might, the muscle, the menace of Monstar. <laughs> he's, he's cool, but he's better as Mumra. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and Vulture Man. So funny. <laughs> um, there's actually, uh, there's a famous outtake uh compilation from Thundercats. Oh, yeah. It's really weird to hear these guys who are stiff as can be then talk like normal people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when when they break character, you know, like, oh, the Robo Burble, the f***ing Robo Burble, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I guess the other thing this has in common with Thundercats, um, great theme song. One of the great cartoon theme songs, I think. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on the look of it, I thought yeah. it's it's one of those shows that kind of it's like the 
the art is okay, but the animation is pretty bad, I thought. It's like... It depends. I think this isn't one of the better looking episodes. And, like, it would be better if they had less ambitious things to animate. There's some hard-ass yeah. things to Yeah, animate. like, I was thinking that, like, having everything or all the characters made out of shiny metal, like... Yeah, that that's, flies. Yeah. That's, that's got to be hard to deal with. Um, but there's there's some nice looking stuff in here, mm -hmm. um, including a lot a lot of nice wind effects <laughs> in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like um, the backgrounds. Like as I was looking at these characters, I was thinking like, oh man, I don't I don't like the way these characters are animated. But at the same time, you know, just seeing the the pipe that that blast is going through and stuff, it's like oh they put pretty effort, neat. They put effort into the backgrounds of this. This is all right. It's just uh maybe a little questionable with the character designs and the character animation, but uh, but also they had a tough row to hoe with all the shiny metal. Right. It's not as um as good a uh a rogues gallery as Thundercats, but still pretty good for the Moonstar mob crew. Yeah. I was just, I think our experience with Rescue Rangers has kind of changed the way that I think about animation. Cause I'm like, if Rescue Rangers was animated like this, would I accept it? No, oh, I'm, I'm sure we, we can pick a few episodes of Silverhawks that look great, yeah. but yeah, this is okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So if you don't care about the science of outer space, um, yeah, I guess this is a show that sells some toys or a show <laughs> that they decided was good enough to make toys out of toys look pretty good too yeah they do yeah. all right um let's move on okay all right um uh, yeah whoa <laughs> so i guess back to the barnyard was the big winner this week <laughs> um i don't know maybe if i if i took the writing of Back to the barnyard and the look of the <laughs> Silverhawks. So you, you would have the perfect cartoon. Yeah. All right. Well, that was goofy, uh, but we're going to get manly. No udders in our cartoons, I presume. Um, no. So since this is the middle of November, uh, next time we're going to be celebrating, celebrating Movember oh. by looking at cartoons <laughs> with at least one mustache. <laughs> All right, Matsy. For you, I have the return of the tick. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yep. Okay. You're gonna be watching the, uh, yeah, that the the tick versus dinosaur Neil. No. No. What you'll be watching is that mustache feeling. Oh. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, you Ma swerved me. Maybe one of my favorite Tick episodes. All right. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I actually thought about the Tick. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I got you. Uh, you remember that time? Do you remember the time um, <laughs> that you uh, gave me Steven Universe, which caused me to watch all of Steven Universe? And you took oh. two half-sodes from two different episodes and combined them? Oh, yeah. Cheating. Yeah, yep. cheating. Yeah, I'm going to do that. But it actually, one, it makes sense for this theme, but two, it also has a purpose in a way, in a weird way okay. that I didn't expect. Um, I got The Amazing World of Gumball. Cool. Yeah. Um, I have a half-sewed from season one 
called The Mustache. Hmm. And a half-sode from a later season. I can't remember exactly which one, but you can search it and find it. Because they all have very... The titles of the Gumball cartoons are all very simple. It's like Seinfeld. Uh, this half-sode is called The Uncle. Okay. So you got the mustache and the uncle. That's pretty easy, right? Sure. Yeah. Great manly time next week. Yeah. Uh, in the meanwhile, all you stalkers out there, uh, what should we talk about? What on earth should we watch? You can let me know at DrabSwatch on Twitter. And you can let me know at AC Matsy on Twitter. Hey, do you know any cartoons that got something wrong and it's been grating on you for the last like 14 years? <laughs> uh, let us know. Yeah. And um, with that, uh, the sloggery stacker slogan. Oh, I got that wrong.